You're listening to Inside Out with Turner and Seth. And this is part two of our Jesus. Yes. And we're very proud to be a member of Osiris. That's right, the Osiris Podcast Network, OsirisPod.com. It's a community of like-minded podcasts. And by the way, this summer, we're going to be all over the the festival scene. Various hosts of various shows will be conducting interviews, and then we'll be putting them on the YouTube channel. Which is uh, available if you go to YouTube, just uh, search Osiris Media. And speaking of media, Relics is a media partner, and hopefully uh, if you're dialed into Relics, and I believe Relics is doing some coverage uh, of some of the Osiris stuff, so if you search through Relics, I'm sure you'll find some stuff there. And also... Um, but if you want to know about our show, exactly where Osiris, Osiris has 24 podcasts to uh, shine a light on, so it's very difficult for them to, to bring forth everything about us. And Relics, I'm not sure, even knows we exist. So you want oh, to follow us on InsideOutWTNS.com. InsideOutWTNS.com. There's a newsletter sign up right there. And also, and also there's a newsletter at Osiris Pod, but you want to you follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Are you still on Twitter? Um, yes. As a matter I of you fact, got banned. as a matter of fact, David Crosby blocked me. I'll tell you all about my interesting relationship with David Crosby on Twitter. So would you say you got outro. a restraining order? A Twitter oh restraining order? Hey, I can actually say that now. I think he w- he was a, a, a little bit of a baby with regard to hippies, but I'll read the tweets and you guys can decide and let us know. At the end of this? Uh, the yes. Okay, and I'll tell okay, you, we, I mean, we had this great relation, Twitter relationship oh. and then he went, Oh my God, he doesn't like you know, anymore. Oh my God. Graham Nash, you oh know, his, Graham Nash's points resonate with me more than ever. Uh, go on, Rob. Uh, let's see. We have a couple of uh, Osiris podcasts um, shows to highlight like joe kendrick who i actually know from way back and has interviewed john shane there's a place called green acres music hall that back in the 90s i've referenced it before because that's a place i walked through the fire one night <laughs> something i would never do now but a uh, really cool historic place run by steve metcalf and and that the new joe kendrick uh, southern songs and stories episode has bela fleck and john cowan among the people talking about it. if you want to follow him directly south scenes on twitter and also my boys Beyond the Pond had Stephen Hyden, host of the Celebration Rock podcast, brilliant writer on rock and roll, and my God, it's an excellent uh, podcast episode. That's like thir- you just listened to thirty hours of podcast this week. What oh, you bring up? Why I'm, I mentioned this in the last episode? I'm a little pissed at Osiris for one thing. What's that? I apologize to my to our regular listeners, but I do this thing called the purge. I'm going through my collection, mainly cassettes, trying to listen to them and give them all away, and and and. Give them to people who will listen to them. Yes, there are still people out there who listen to cassettes. You freaking snot nose, overly modern people. But now I don't really have time for that because there's so many great podcasts on this freaking Osiris. What are you doing to me? Oh my god, my boy Rob's growing up. <laughs> no, it's not that. Well, maybe it is. That hurts. Hurts so good though. Jesus gave us a. a, a a really generous amount of time, and we were backstage in our little room at the Variety Playhouse. Like I mentioned on the last episode, they're coming here to Candler Park uh, June 1. They're going to be doing Red Rocks with the Who Floozies. Who do you want to talk to when we uh, see them? In- Five nights at the Blue Note. We want to talk to Warren, or we're not going. No, I'm, not I'm going. talking about lettuce. Oh, lettuce? Yeah. Um, well, Schmeens would probably be the next one up, but not, not this is too soon. Later on. I want to talk to Warren. And I have other things that need to happen for us to go to Candler Park. And you know, you already know. Because it's a busy weekend. You're such got, a princess. I got other things I could do. You like listen to podcasts? Go on. You're familiar with working with princesses, aren't you? Hey, 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 hey. Anyway, so um, at the end of the interview, the last part of the interview, 
we started talking about tea, and then we got enough into a dopey little tangent. I kind of took that out. But one thing that came up was that Marcus King, when we asked him about tea, I don't really remember when that came up. He said he was royalty. So at the beginning of the interview, uh, Jesus calls back before he answers my question. He calls back to that. It's kind of funny. So that's so you know that. And uh, he talks. He gives us a little window into what it's like to work with Dr. Dre. What it's like to smoke weed with Snoop Dogg. I mean, there's some cool hip hop stuff in this part. So there are. Do we have any hip hop to play? Do we? Do, do you pull any? And then we have to get all the rights and all that, and it's a big headache. No. I say fuck it. Let's just put it out there. Well, all right, fine. We'll do it the right way. Uh, which is check out our blog uh, where Rob will share you some of the music on a Spotify playlist. How about that, Rob? Yeah, you do we that? need to start doing that. How about you do we? that now? Not to, like the second, but will you do that on this one? Maybe? Oh, let us Spotify? Yeah. Just, no, just, just, no, just a couple tracks from... Well, he does mention a Dre track. Yeah. Just stuff that... Why don't you pull some stuff from Jesus and other projects, put it into a thing, and share that to our listeners? Because our listeners might listen to Lettuce and not even realize where else he's been. And sure, we've talked about some of that stuff on the show. Why don't you pull from your notes? So I choose the songs and then give them to you and you put together the playlist, right? I mean, if you really need me to do that, but you can also yeah, do that on your Yeah, you can do something Spotify. for the podcast once in a while. It's not just wrangling... Uh, All right, so I guess you don't need my Spotify account anymore then that I pay for. You you don't pay for it. I yeah, Spotify, I do. You really do? I, the account that you use, yes. For, what do I use it for? Obviously listening in podcasts. Researching <laughs> the show, you ding dong. <laughs> but we're going on too long. We've got a lot to talk about in the outro, so sh- shall we move on to the... Let us move on. Jesus. One more recent thing, and then we'll get in the way machine. Marcus <laughs> King T, new collaboration. You don't know who King T is at all, huh? Me? No, no. King T. He had a song called Fuck Compton. Fuck I mean, Compton? I, know, I remember Fuck Compton. Was he an East Coaster? I mean, that's a crazy thing to say. I would never he say that. He had to be an East Coaster. I no no West Coast rapper would say that, would No, they? he was a West Coast rapper, but I think he... I don't know. This was is he was crazy. singing ironically, maybe? No, I think he was just like, yo... There's more other places that are hard besides Compton, okay. which is true. But Compton is really fucking hard, so I wouldn't talk shit. <laughs> I mean, but King—that's that's basically what I'm telling you about King T. Is he would say that? I say about Compton people the same thing I, I say about the mafia. Great people, wonderful people, Just behind them 100. percent Compton <laughs> is Compton in the house, yeah. So I was just in the house. And I noticed lasers everywhere. Is lasers. this new with lettuce? Lettuce lasers? lasers? Right. Right. When did you make that decision? What went on? And that's got to cost you guys some money. Yo, Blake, did those lasers come in? Oh, shit. We the best music lasers. Too hot for TV. No, so it's kind of like a joke for a while because 
I would see we have our incredible Blake Addington on the road with us. He's been doing lights for us for a while now. Right on, Blake. And uh, Blake's awesome. And the more I get to know him and become friends with him, I realize he's really great at that stuff. And he's been a part of a lot of the bigger laser shows you've seen. And like he and Laser Shark, uh, Greg, are really good friends. And um, I'd say, I'm not sure how that works, but um, they work together. I'm pretty sure Blake helps. Uh, has been a part of that team helping Greg Laser Shark do all that stuff. So, when as I started figuring out that he was really great at lasers, I was like, well, then why don't we, we should get some lasers on, <laughs> you know? And then it became a joke on the road. I'd be like, hey, Blake, did those did 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 they ship those lasers to you? And he'd be like, what? What lasers? I'm like, no, nah, I didn't have any yet. But I was trying. <laughs> I was like, we can do it if we just keep saying it every day. And then and it didn't happen. Like we all love. Um, and the thing is, he knows exactly how to keep it lettuce keep it the vibe and not just make it into like uh everybody else's show he's, he's so gonna one make color it. all green the whole night no okay does he save it to late in the show because i know tool yeah, will wait till like two-thirds of the way in and then they'll hit you with the lasers because there can be a laser hangover you know when you see him and then you see a light show without lasers it can be like well what am i on laser you know see i think i'm gonna go kanye west all the way on you right now and i'm just saying you get to see the show i never actually get to see the show so i don't fucking know i mean i imagine blake will probably wait i think i you can kind of see it from the stage but you really don't get to see it man so like i guess really? kanye one time said oh, i want to be in this audience in my own concert and everyone's like oh what an egomaniac he wants to watch himself perform yeah i want to be in the i would love to be in the concert at a lettuce show you know how bad i want to go to a lettuce show with you guys and just like let loose and be way in the back like run around from this crew to that crew yes kanye you're right i want to go to my own show let's go to a lettuce show kanye come on man I'm well this you. kanye can hear his own records they're a lot better than anyway i bet anyway. you blake does wait no i'm sure blake waits for sure okay i think he waits but i you know he's great he'll do whatever he wants maybe he I don't know if I was him. I would, I would get ready for someone because Tool's done it that way. I would flash some in the beginning. I don't know what he's doing. Who knows? It's gonna be sick though. Well, you got to get ready because we're jumping in the wayback machine. Uh, do we have to? Is that our time? We're going back. That's our time. We're going way back. Like no, we're not done. We're just starting. Oh, we want to talk about your dad. Who's a Christian rock mus- musician, and his band kind of started the Jesus music. Yes, yeah. a movement of the seventies. Kind of ironic that and on the many Jesus layers, there's a thing called the Jesus People Movement in like Orange County, Southern California. His band was Love Song, right? His band is Love Song. Yeah, totally. still. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, they play from time to time. Uh, it was he, he and Chuck Gerard, um, John Mailer, J Two X. Oh, I'm gonna forget somebody, aren't I? Bob Wall. Um, Freddie Field, Fred Field, and um, so Chuck Gerard was the other singer in the band. And Chuck Gerard sang with the Beach Boys. He sang on um, Honda, the song about a Honda. It's a it's a badass song the Beach Boys did. So he was Chuck Gerard was like in the Beach Boys for a little bit of that for recordings. And I guess Chuck Gerard was this really badass um, vocalist around town, like studio session vocalist. And so he sang his face off. He still does. So. They became this cool group. If you look up love song, like there's a um, there's a song called Two Hands, because I'm sure that like it's kind of generic. When you look up love song, you're gonna find out like a billion love songs. <laughs> but look up love song band, and there's their old records from the '70s are just crazy. It's got this crazy vibe to it, and like they were just brand new getting into the church, coming from psychedelic. Um, backgrounds and different different backgrounds not all psychedelic but you know they were in the hippie scene in woodstock and they were hippies you know and they 
they were coming from a real universal love angle. And when they got, um, and even the church that they got to was like real, like it was just full of hippies. Basically, I feel like, you know, the elders or I mean, the people that started those movements and those groups of people that would get together and they would get together on the beach and sing and play acoustic guitars. And I still think it's important to realize that everybody, every religion and every school of thought somehow recommends singing using the vocal cords to produce frequencies in honor and respect to the higher being. And I think, wow, this is probably really important. I think it's important for humans to sing and it's sing with a humble, reverent heart. And like every every single religion does that. So anyway, they were they were coming from this really love vibe movement. And if you listen to these old love song records, they're really cool. And they're, um, there's one called Two Hands. And so that'll, I'd only, I bring that one up because there's a, that'll help you figure out which band is my dad's. But Tommy Coombs and Love Songs, it, one of my biggest inspirations in life when I was young was that band. There was a time when they broke up and that was just devastating, more devastating than anything ever. So I never, that, it's always been a huge part of my life. And Lettuce is just always, you know, wanting to be a band forever. And, and when you, when you know you're supposed to play together and, I don't know about supposed to because you can do whatever you want in this world, in this life. But when you have this calling, it feels like we're, we are meant to play. And when we play, it helps people around us have a better life. I mean, it's making our around, surroundings better. It's making me and I feel like it's making everyone in the band better to do this. So I feel like you should keep those things together. It's not that hard. You can still do 10 other projects if you want. So. Anyway, Love Song is great, and they and had a great drummer. I want to ask about their influence musically, but before that, I got to know, I apologize for asking this, but what, cool. what's the party like for a Christian band? Party? Yeah, what's the after show? How's it similar to You mean normal? for like Love Song? Yeah, like, uh, is it... I'm pretty sure they would go, I mean, it's just, you know, it's getting, my after party's getting more and more like this now. I drink tea, and I sit there with my friends that I know I love, because I've known them for 20 years. And I um, try to elevate to, you know, the highest frequency and the highest type of conversation and just kind of like, even if it's not conversation, just kind of like be together with your friends that you have, especially nowadays, you know, like most towns, you're not going to be there in the morning. You're going to leave. You only have a certain amount of time. And that's the party of the planet. We only have a certain amount of time on this planet together. So enjoy a few moments with each other and like be there for each other and that's kind of like what the after party is to me. Now, with the exclusion of Jam Cruise. <laughs> Same thing with Jam Cruise. But On you- Jam Cruise this year, Zoidis and I and my brother and a few other people were like, you know what? We're going to spend an, an evening within. And we like chilled. We didn't go out because we go to concerts every night. So we like, and on Jam Cruise, it's really cool not to just plug away, but they ha- you'll every band, you, there's a two performances. So if you miss one, you have the opportunity to see them all. So you can like, we realized, man, we're on Jam Cruise. We're already out. Like, we're not at our cribs. Like, let's just chill on one of our balconies or open up the balconies and just drink tea and chill and just hang out and listen to music. So we just, like, I don't know. You can even just put like, on the TV and see some of the performances, right? Not anymore. You can oh. see last, yeah, they don't have the smaller ship. They don't have the whole, um, the whole uh, Jam Cruise TV. But that's interesting, though. That's, that's, uh... But we alluded to your brother, who, for, for those who don't know, his name is Tycoon, is a DJ producer and drummer who's worked with some hey, huge, huge, huge names. You thank you ahead. for mentioning that and being so honored about him. You have Tyler Tycoon Coombs, my brother, my um, 
probably one of my greatest influences in life. He's a great bass writer, bass player, a great programmer, great producer, great writer, uh, incredible drummer and drum programmer. He's worked with Ron Fair and the Pussycat Dolls and everybody that Ron Fair and Diane Warren. Uh, he's worked with Diane Warren and still works with Diane Warren every day. They're best friends. Diane Warren is one of the greatest songwriters. Back to songwriting, now that we've said that. Diane Warren is the greatest, one of the greatest songwriters of all time and one of the hardest people I've ever met. One of the nicest and strongest people I've ever met and more dedicated to her craft and what... Just what we were talking about, how you know it's important or you know you're supposed to do this thing or really you know it's important to do it about having a band or anything. She's very aware of how important it is for her to write songs. So my brother helps her create, you know, in whatever, like he's in there in her office and works with her, helps her, gives her drum programming and whatever. Just, man, I don't know. I'm over my head. I shouldn't be talking about Diane. When I start talking about Diane, I feel scared. But Diane, I love you. But your dad, it was he also did some producing, right? Oh, my dad's a major producer. Yeah, so, so after Love Song or during Love Song, someone at the church or the Basically, the church started having such killer music that they started a record company. And that record company was called Maranatha Music. And they were going to start doing a series of praise albums. There was a praise and worship albums. And they asked my dad to produce the first one. And he kind of had never produced anything. And he kind of knocked it out of the park. And it was it was killer. And he knew all the right people to call. My dad's just always been a... My dad is the shit, basically. But did you ever get to go my to My dad's amazing. Would Tommy you, Coombs for president. Would you but guys he, be in the studio with him, watching him work in the studio? Yeah. So he would have me when I was three years old, lifting me up to see all the beautiful, like, bright lights. I just remember seeing a million <laughs> colored lights in this thing you're definitely not supposed to touch. <laughs> yeah, each one of those buttons does something really important. It still seems like a spaceship to me right now. I love the studio. It still is a spaceship. But um, it does take so, us all on journeys. It really does, dude. And I'm so glad with what we just did with Russ Alavado. Like he really knows it. He's an analog warrior, and he knows we're going on a journey, and he's preserving the vibe. And we all we all go to great lengths to preserve the vibe and actually try to capture it into a thing. So, yeah, my dad's really great in the studio. His ears are phenomenal, and um, I remember watching him with a a string, a whole string section. And he was doing this thing called Praise Strings. And he stopped. I remember watching my dad stop this whole room full of people playing. And they're in the middle of something. And he stopped them. And I was like, whoa, this is so crazy. I can't believe. Why is he? It was so. To me, I'm listening to a string section. the most beautiful thing ever. And he goes, all right, hold up. And they all stop. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. He just stopped. That was crazy. Because he heard something he you heard didn't something. hear. He's like, yeah, on the. You know, and he backed up a page and they're all reading and he's like, yeah, the veal is da da da. And then the guy who was in the section goes, oh, yeah, we heard that too. Sorry about that. And I was like, whoa, that's what it means to have great ears. Like you're listening really, really close. And it's like, here's a here's 32 or 64 strings. And he heard one of them mess up. And that's like, wow, you can listen that closely and hear all the different pieces of music and hear what they're doing and how they work together. <clears throat> that was an eye opening moment. I was probably like nine or ten or something and so hearing though it's like that just the, as i'm hearing you say that i'm just thinking that hearing isn't about just listening it's about being able to stop thinking so you can listen yeah but that. also by thinking and it's just this weird that just it seems like it's more there than just the ear well it's like what colonel says you have to learn it and then unlearn it mm-hmm. yeah right yeah it's kind of like playing you really got to let go learn it of and it, then find your own you space learn it first learn so it first it's in there to let go of, and let right? go of it to let yourself come out <laughs> yeah for sure. So that's what it means to have 
And this goes back to my same point about Kim Burrell and um, who would I say? Because I have a few different versions of it. It's like the dude who sings like freaking Kurt Cobain or um, a, a great punk rock singer of any kind compared to like, um, you know, those like there's a difference between being a musician that's just playing like in the king's court, like playing whatever the king wants you to play for money. And there's an artist that needs to say something about Bob Dylan. That's what I said. Sorry. You know, like Bob had to say that stuff. Bob Marley had to say that stuff to the world. And it's really, really crucial that we have artists, not just technical skilled musicians. And like, I love you technical skilled musicians and I want to be one of you so bad, but don't forget to be an artist. You know what I mean? Don't, don't just play everybody. I mean, do whatever you feel. If, if you feel called to play, everybody else's music and that brings you joy and that's because somebody's got to do that too and we all need help getting you know like these artists like justin timberlake just did the super bowl shit thought that was i thought that was slamming everybody made fun of him but i thought was slamming and like he had the regiment horns up there and it's great to be able to help i love being in a project like that because if i was justin timberlake i would be very grateful that everyone's helping me do my project and that's a good thing and you can all like i said a second ago you can always have a million projects you can always go play in jt's band and then still have your own band, you know, and just develop yourself as an artist. And I think I'm just so thankful for my friends and Lettuce or else I wouldn't even have done that myself. I was really focused on a lot of just working for everyone else's project because I do love helping people and it's fun to help people. Well, you, you continue to help people. You. You, when you go back to Massachusetts and you go back to Boston, you uh, don't, doesn't Lettuce bring some of the uh, Berkeley yeah, You bring the Berkeley kids to your sound check, right? Oh, yeah, every time. For sure. I mean, that's like the least we could do. For sure, Berkeley's awesome. Yeah. What kind of questions do they have for you? What What is most interesting to them about what you're doing? They usually want to know about Schmeens's diet and about like Schmeens's uh, car. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Schmeens just walked in. What's We're up, getting Schmeens? a Schmeens cameo. Hey, the Berkeley kids want to know. Yeah. What do they ask you when the Berkeley yeah, kids are in your sound checks? What? And Matt. how about this? Do you ever elevate it? Because the best Zappa show I ever saw was when the Berkeley kids were there. Orpheum 88. When you know Berkeley kids are in the audience, do you step up your game and try to, you know, no. show them a little snazzle? No. No. No, man. I can't, you know, I can't think, I can't think about stuff like that. We're just trying to play our best every, every time, time you step on the stage. There every you time you step on the stage, there you go. it's not about me versus anyone else except me versus myself. Every time up there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm trying to conjure the spirits. I'm trying to, you know, become a conduit for something bigger than myself. It has nothing mm. to do with me versus anyone else, anything like that. Mm. So, you know, every time you step, step on stage, you're just hoping that right. maybe you can be that person at that moment. Hey, let me ask hey, you something well, else. Well, he's you also, he went every time he steps <laughs> on the stage now, he's also trying to get some diapers for his baby. So, Mazel Tov. Yeah, uh, that's, thank you, sir. Appreciate I was going to ask, was it hard to leave home being a new dad? Was it hard? It's hard to leave home. Yeah. But we do what we do, you know, and I mean yin and yang of of, of life. I have, I have, I have loves. I have many loves in this life. Music is one of them, and 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 my family is another. And as long as that has balance, I'll be cool. Man. And it makes Good me man. kind of rest assured because now I know that none of us will be out for super super long at a time. I'm like, yes, she means have another other baby. Projects. Yeah, yeah yes, you didn't you didn't miss a thing at New Year's. <laughs> it's hard to be gone from home whether you've just had a baby or not for for extended periods of time. I mean. Mm -hmm. Once it passes a certain number of weeks, you're like, ooh, my own Spiritually, bed. spiritually. You yeah, know, spiritually, on, your, on yourself, really? like just yeah. here, you know, being able to play honestly. And, just to and, ground and drink tea in my own crib just yeah. for uh, two weeks is really helpful to what we do and we come back out here. So, yeah, Simone Rose. <laughs> Have you ever met his dad? Of 
course. I've known his dad since I've been like 16 years old. What do you got to say? What do you got to say about Tommy? What have you learned Mr. from him? Mr. Coombs, what have I learned from him? Uh, first of all, I, I learned that, that you could have a beautiful family and be a professional musician. And mm. I didn't really like have that kind of influence on me until I met his family, until I met Deitch's family. And I was like, oh, wow, maybe I can pursue this dream and and have, you know, both 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 things that I want to achieve in life. That's excellent. It's yeah. true. Yeah. I remember dad, I, every time my dad would come home, he would bring us something, you know, like a little tiny thing from wherever he went. So it was a big part of my childhood is having him be gone. But then the returning. I remember the returning more than anything. I remember there's a time where he's gone. Mom's being really cool to us. And then, yay, he's back and he brought us a little, what is this? Well, this little thing helps us know where he was. Uh, he was at a, wherever, China or whatever he went to. What, what I also learned from his, his dad is just being, trying to be a, a multi-instrumentalist mm-hmm. and being as humble as you can be in, in, in the eyes of music and, and the world and, and God, as he'd probably love to say. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. He also kept him from seeing the Grateful Dead, too, didn't he? Well, I think that was wise. <laughs> so, yeah, he's a very wise man. That's what we were talking about. We'll have about, to have right? you on the show for a full interview yes, so next time around or another yeah, time. No question. Thank you. I'll get Jeez. you a new hat, too. <laughs> that was Adam. Adam, Adam Schmeen Schmirnoff there. One last thing on your dad. How did you get to work with Whitney Houston and Stevie Wonder? And did you get to meet them? What are you talking about? <laughs> my dad, oh, this probably because of his background singer, his, his work with Stevie. Yeah. So my dad's band right now is called the Tommy Coombs Band, and they work with Franklin Graham and all that stuff. So his background singer, his band is phenomenal. Like, my dad's a real band player. So, like, even though it's called Tommy Coombs Band, he thinks of it as a band, and it is a band. So his band is filled with, like, the, the greatest Band with Tommy Still Coons. right now. Like, honestly, I went to see the Tommy Coombs band a few weeks ago. And I'm, I'm a million percent honest. I was just, I forgot because I was just so busy that I was, I was just like, I got to go see my dad. It's my dad's thing. I got to see my dad and my dad's thing. I have to go. And I forgot he was going to completely floor me. I got there and I'm like, my jaw was on the ground. His musicians in the band are phenomenal. The arrangements are phenomenal. The guitar player is phenomenal. The drummer, the keyboard player, everybody's phenomenal. This, and, then, and then in front of that band, there's seven singers that are perfect, like perfect singing. And I forgot that he was going to just like, so his background singers, Linda McCrary and Alfie Silas worked with, everyone in the business stevie and and yeah so that's alfie silas and and linda mccrary and they're both phenomenal um so his yeah my dad's just i he always i always thought it was cool that my dad had this rolodex or just list of phone numbers in his phone that were always like not famous to other people but famous musicians to us people like john patitucci and i was just gonna ask you about john patitucci now you got how did you meet him how did you get to get private lessons so there was my godfather rest in peace my godfather rest in peace roby duke roby duke is like a really cool cat and he and john patitucci's really good friends and um roby duke is a producer and a guitar player singer real cool cat and he was just he was more musical than he than most of the church people that he knew about like fusion and patatucci and chick korea and mm-hmm. so he was just really good friends with john and like was let i can't remember exactly but he used to say he let john like sleep on his couch when he was in college or whatever so then he got john 
he gave my dad John's number, and then John would come to the house and eat dinner with my mom's pretty good at cooking, so she he would eat dinner, and then he'd give me like a two or three hour lesson. John is like so nice, and that was another thing that I keep learning over and over. The more, the more, the further and further I grow, I learn that the very best, the people that are very best at what they do are so nice, so kind, and so humble, and so ready to teach you and ready to stop and talk to you for a minute and. Like, John was so kind. I mean, he'd give me, like, two or three-hour lessons. After a while, he'd come over. He probably did, like, four or five times, just come over and and just make sure I was good. And, like, maybe it was only three lessons, but three times or something. But those times, like, got me so stoked and so encouraged me so much that I could maybe play bass and maybe have a career. And I would ask him all kinds of questions about how to, you know, make money and get sessions and still still be true to your art form and yeah, so that was Roby Duke introduced us to John Patitucci, who's just phenomenal and so humble and such a great teacher and player. And this is important, too, because one of the things that, because funk bands can sound a lot alike, but one of the things that sets you apart is your hip-hop awareness, and that probably started with DJ Quick meeting him at Berkeley, right? I didn't meet DJ Quick at Berkeley. I met DJ Quick after Berkeley. Well, you, had you started Fire Department at that point? Not yet. Not yet. That was I worked with Quick first. And then, like, that was, when I first got out of Berkeley, I went to, well, I didn't want to come back from Boston because I was learning so much in, in from just playing with cats like Mark Simmons and Charles Haynes and um, just all kinds of different cats were teaching me so much. Jermaine Nelson, Mark Copeland, I'm learning so much that I'm, I'm just didn't want to come home. And so my brother is back in L.A., Ty's back in L.A. playing drums, and he's like, come back, come back, come back. And I'm like, I'll come back when you get me a gig. You know, just being a little brother, just being a little shit. And I'm like, I'll come back. We got to have a big time gig. I want a tour. I'm just being a fucking maniac, apparently, now that I'm thinking back to it. Excuse my French. But I'm like, I'm not coming back until LA until we get a big gig on a tour. So he gets us one. My brother's so dope. He totally gets us like a national tour. This w- wonderful person named Cy Smith. She's like my sister, and she's like she worked with Whitney Houston too. She worked. With, she's a background singer and used to uh, coach the people that would go to sing on American Idol. She's a really, really dope singer and phenomenal uh, inspiration as a person. Cy Smith, S Y Smith. And she uh, took us on the road. She got she was signed to Hollywood Records, and she was going to open for Macy Gray. Wow. So she got a tour bus, and she got a band. My and she loves my brother's drumming. She's one of the few people that knows how ill my brother is at drums. And so she's like, "I'm bringing your brother. I'm bringing Ty." So he talked her. She probably wanted to get another bass player. He talked her into my brother, my brother, my brother. He's he's you know. So we did the set. We did the gig with Cy Smith opening for Macy Gray all around the country, and that was a fun way to like experience touring and experience what it's like to be on a national tour. And it was my first time doing it, and it was real cool. Like I think David Bowie came to one of the shows at the Roseland. Wow, and Macy was a big deal. Macy was real nice and cool, and it was a fun to be in that crew on the road and doing that so she smokes a ton of weed too doesn't she macy i don't know i didn't smoke weed back then at all i was like i didn't smoke weed for 10 years i didn't drink or make it up for swear. oh man i thought you were gonna light that up like oh, if i could and i don't want to mess up nah, my microphones yeah. baby no no our microphones like it really <laughs> um, a couple well, quick are you sure sticky, is, well, it, is this urgency for real no, well, i did get to work with snoop dogg we should skip a couple years yeah, forward yeah, and i work with anthony hamilton so all of that led to a bunch of other sessions where I worked with Cy Smith, and then Cy Smith introduced me to this other cat named Mark Sparks. He's an amazing producer from uh, North Carolina. 
and we did a bunch of records and that's how I found Anthony Hamilton and then Anthony Hamilton and I and my brother I got my brother in on that gig because my brother got me on that gig in the first place and then they called me and they're like we want to do Anthony Hamilton's record I'm like bring my brother and a couple other people so we do his record and we take him on tour we take him on Ellen DeGeneres and David Letterman and we had some really fantastic ridiculous um, shows with them and Anthony remains an amazing friend and a really really cool mentor a cool cat, man. And um, I don't know why I'm just going to say this right now. There's a song that he never released called Heavenly Love. Anthony Hamilton, Heavenly Love on YouTube. I'm not sure why it's on YouTube, but go listen to that shit before it gets taken down. That song is dope. And um, Maybe anyway, we'll get permission to play it. I didn't play on that song. Oh. <laughs> it's just killing. It's actually a really great bass player named Tiny. The, the chords on that, it sounds like Oregon, but it's this great bass player named Tiny playing chords through effect on that song, Heavenly Love. Anyway, from there, from that session, I snuck over to the other. I was in B, and you're really not supposed to do this. It's against studio etiquette, but I went snuck into A, nice. and DJ Quick was in A. There we go. And I walk in with my bass. Actually, the, again, my brother told me about it. He's like, yo, in A, DJ Quick's in there. Go grab your bass right now and walk in there. Totally got the... You know, it's luck and it's like tips. Somebody got to tell you stuff, you know? Being in the right place at the right time means someone told you, go over there right now. <laughs> like, so Ty was like, hey, guys, what's up? So I walk in with my bass, and the first thing out of Quick's mouth is, my guitar player just left for his uh, six-month tour yesterday. It's the most perfect synchronistic timing ever. Let me hear you play. So I played Rapper's Delight. Immediately I played um, some hip, old-school hip-hop for him. And he was feeling it. And we did the Mossberg session. Mossberg was alive, rest in peace. We did a song called Ring King that, that night. So I actually got to work with him that night. And then from there, I had to like go sneak. I would like go try to find DJ Quick. It was like my mission was <laughs> find where, what, what studio in LA is DJ Quick working at tonight. Because I knew that if I could just say what up to him, he would be cool. He'd remember me. But like getting someone to call me back, like I, it would have just been that one session. And that would have been it. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep working with DJ Quick because DJ Quick is doing it. So to him, you're this guy with long hair who keeps showing up, at, uh, appearing at the greatest I moments. Guess, That's where Jesus comes from, I right? Yes, you're right. Well, and then I was just really clean and sober and just always, I was doing a lot of yoga at the time, which I'm starting to get back into. And I'm trying to find, I'm really finding a balance of of how to live or how I feel like what I'm supposed to be doing, what I'm supposed to be attracted to and attracting and what I need to let go of and what I need to attract and hold on to. So it's a, a lot of times in my life I've been really, really hardcore, like know this, know that, know, you know, like vegan. I When I was vegan for 10 or 11 years, I didn't do any cheating, you know, like, and I think that's how I was when I was growing up in the church, in the Christian church. I was as, I was as Christian as you could ever be. And then you find out, I don't, I don't want to discourage the youth, but like you, then you find out the rest of the church isn't quite as hard. Like you're like, wait a minute, y'all are having all, so wait, every one of you has had sex? Is that what you're all telling me? <laughs> I'm like, I thought every single one of you was doing what I'm doing because you guys all come here and say you're doing it. So like, I'm literally doing it. I'm like practicing. The self-control muscle is just on flex, just, just <laughs> dr- destructional, you know? So I've learned how to really like try to control myself and like I know how to do that. So like I'm trying to learn these days how to really stay in. I want it to be 90% yoga classes and breathing and 10% blunts, you know what I mean? But I want to have a blunt, you know what I mean? Sometimes, and I'm not saying like, blunts are super fucking bad for you. I mean a joint, you know what I mean, whatever. But like, I'm just saying, 
Yeah, I'm starting to see the things that are really bad. Like, well, blood's there's, pretty there's... bad. But if you want to take a puff of one here and there, it's just important to, I don't know. I'm how, trying how to How much of a life here. of moderation do you live? Life of moderation these days, I'm pretty good at just, like, torturing myself. Like, I don't eat. I'll fast. I, like, I've been fasting for the last few days. And it's great. I, I, something about it, I love it. I like to go hard in the paint. When I'm going on something, I like to go hard. this though when you go to your dad and tell him your new nickname is jesus what does he think okay so that's he really like called me one day and he's like this is your heavenly father and i thought that was pretty good sport of him <laughs> no i think he thinks really well, that does it puts him in a good spot. i mean the, you're the, jesus the, i what think is, what the, does that make him <laughs> well let's put it this way so when i was on tour with anthony hamilton we were doing the morning shows and i was playing acoustic guitar and i'm like clean very clean and i'm church going christian but they're calling me Jesus now because I think that's why Quick started calling me Jesus in the first place because he had a lot of stuff going on and I was not doing none of it. I was focused on my music, focused on what my job is, there, what I'm there for, focused on my own health and, and trying to make everybody else better around with me. And, you know, I just wasn't falling prey to any of the traps. So he started calling me that. And then so I was cruising around with Anthony Hamilton later. And I remember going to like the BMG offices early in the morning and I'm meeting people and I made this lady who's a church, someone who's a church person. And I go, my name is Jesus. And she goes, no, it's not. What does your, what is your name? And I was like, whoa, okay, hold Jesus. on. This can mess with people. And I was like, well, no, 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 I'm a Christian. I, I love Jesus more than, more than most, you know, like, I'm, and so I think I bring that up to say, like, if you think I'm being sacrilegious or just like making fun of God and making fun of uh, the, the Jesus Christ <laughs> character that you worship, I am totally not. This is just a. But did and, your dad think that at first? No, that's what he I'm was saying. Cool he knows it. me well enough to okay. know. I mean, okay. he knows that my heart is in the right place with it. Can so, we? Can we? Can we you, I mean, I, Rob, Rob, can you guys? But we even talked about for Dre. Hours, we even talked about he's Kanye. Got a, he's got Snoop. a. He's got a sound check to get to. And I'll about, be long winded, y'all. I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't no, know you no, had so many questions. No, I thought I was supposed to fill up time. <laughs> no, no, no. This is all. There's no filling up time. Like, did Kanye sampling but, Curtis Mayfield move on up? Did that inspire you guys to cover it? A hundred thousand fucking percent. Yes. Definitely good call. 
All right, Rob, keep fast pace. Keep I like this. Go. Uh, Snoop, how did you meet him, and who won the smoking contest between you, your brother and, and Snoop? That was at the session I was talking about, the Anthony Hamilton's first record, coming from where I'm from. He came with his artist, who is featured on that album. Jesus, remember her name right now, please. Latoya Williams. Yes, she's from. Oh, she's mm. really dope. Sure, so sure. He had, Snoop had signed her, so he came through the studio, and... Um, Neither of them won because at the time I was getting my name Jesus, so I didn't smoke. So when they started smoking, I left the room because I literally didn't want to get contact high. And I come back like 30 minutes later and they're both passed out next to each other on the couch, bro. So the couch I think on, I the won that on one fire. by not smoking. <laughs> couch is on no, fire. No, couch was not on fire. But I literally, I, that was one of the funniest. Sounds like a winning overtime. That, but I walk in and I see Snoop Dogg, who I've just barely met. And he's a big star. So I'm like, that's freaking Snoop Dogg. Passed out, and that's. Tell me, you have a photo of that? I wish. I wish. Was that before cell phone? Like, was I see it in my mind? I should have. No, I should have just showed us. Eminem, how'd you end up playing on his record? I got the job working with Dr. Dre from long hard work and struggle, and trying to get the job working for Dr. Dre. Um, Long years of playing with DJ Quick, and um, I met the first time I ever worked with Dre. We did the Truth Hurts record featuring Rakim. And that was a record that DJ Quick had done the beat for. But Dr. Dre had an artist named Truther. So Dr. Dre bought the beat from DJ Quick. Ended up a huge lawsuit. Try not to talk about that part. (laughs) (laughs) Because he sampled Indian. Redacted, redacted, redacted. Um, You know, I think that was partially because I was doing so much yoga and going so hard with the Kundalini yoga and doing the Sikhism with the. I'm not sure. That probably wasn't. It was. Quick was listening to some Indian music. Let me skip to the chase. So I met Dre that night when um, when we did the video for that with Rakim and Truth Hurts and Dr. Dre was there. That was the first time I met Dre. He's really, really cool and nice. Then years later, we got the job. Somehow magically got the job with Dr. Dre. Me and my friend Brandon were like, we got to make it happen. We got we to gotta make it happen. You're a bass player. We're gonna, he's going to get me in there. We're going to do this. So... Brandon and I got an audition, and there was a there was a couple of cats that were playing in there, the keyboard player and the drummer, and they both uh, had put in a good word for me too. Dewan Parker put in a good word for me, and the drummer put in a good word for me too. Nice. So when I got in there and I played, and you know, it was a trip. Uh, I had cut my my index finger really bad right on the part that you press for the bass, like a week before like three days before cut really bad with the butter knife into the finger that i'm supposed to be pressing the metal string down yeah. and i'm going to to audition to see if i'm good enough to play bass for dr Dre with a super cut finger so i have a band-aid on it and i'll just won't i'll never forget the blood dripping down my hand as i'm as i'm playing and totally got the gig i was so stoked i got the gig because i'm freaking my hands like destroyed so how much you on the bass how anyway. much you end up interacting with Dre? A lot. We worked together every day for like uh, ninety days, or yeah, maybe three or four months. So uh, we, so the first day that we went there, the first day that that day, the day that I played with my bloody finger and got the job, I stayed that night, and that was the first night I worked with Dre, and we made a big old hit called "Crack a Bottle," huh. and it was wow. big, that night we just made the song. We made the beat. There was no words to it. And I thought, wow, I made a beat with Dre. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And it was slamming. The thing that I loved the most is that it was a do- it was like a slamming beat. I was like, whoa. 
we're back. We're, um, this is happening. Because I've been wanting to make this happen for like a while now. And I'd seen the, uh, Mike Elizondo and Sean Cruz. Some of these, I'd seen their names on Dr. Dre records, like guitar by Sean Cruz, guitar by Mike Elizondo. And I'm like, wow, he uses bass. I'm just like, so I'm in there. I've actually made it happen. And the beat's slamming. And my thought is, wow, I really hope that, you know, this this beat we made gets wrapped on by either 50 that would be awesome or M that would be awesome or maybe like Dr. Dre that would be amazing and then all three of them get on the song it's called Crack a Bottle with all three of them so I'm just like whoa my mind is completely blown about like trying to make things happen and then watching them happen and synchronistic things and so that happened and then a few I think a week later he's like M wants to work on his record uh, meet me at this address so i meet him at the address it's burbank clearport i put my base onto a private jet we fly to work with eminem in an undisclosed location in florida wow and that's a relapse record how do they convey what they want from you how do i mean because there's they've so many fans that would love to know like like you know like we see the michael jackson movie after he died and and the way he got out of the musicians what he did and the loving way he did it i mean i've, I've never really seen you know, you, you've really been in a unique position with this just historical, culturally significant, and musically significant people. You know, yeah, it's pretty important. I mean, I don't know how much of his his um, process he wants me to reveal, but just how did he pull stuff out of you, and how was he inviting? How, he how did it make really, you comfortable to to bring stuff forward to him? He's just smart, and I think any smart producer will. You get the right elements in the right room together. You know, he got a really great keyboard player, and he got a bass player, and he got a really great drummer, and then he got himself that knows a lot about programming and sampling and drums and making hit songs. But basically, it's kind of a jam session, if that's what you're asking for. Like, how's he pull it out of you? He pulls it out of you as, like, he makes a jam session in the room. And then so, he like, goes back and listens. coming around. He's walking around the room to each station. Grabs you and says, going, cough. That part, that, that thing you go just back, did. Go back, play that thing play, again. Loop that, that, loop that. Now mix or, it with or, that. Or, oh, okay, you can move on. And then it'll go to another musician. Stuff, when keep, he's doing that, now I want you to try to do that thing you were doing. I remember he said, keep practicing to me. And and he meant right then, keep playing, What you know, keep looking for parts and, and keep practicing. But, like... The fact that Dr. Dre said those two words to me, keep practicing, like I think about it constantly. Wow. I'm like, oh, Dre, you said something so important to me, like keep practicing, like never stop practicing. Because I realized that when I sit there just to practice my bass, that's when, I mean, songs get written every single time. You'll practice, 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 and then something about that scale or that sequence of notes you did or a wrong musician it'll just start popping into a thing and then next thing you know you're playing a thing and you don't even know what you're playing and then dread comes over and goes that that's the thing keep so i'm not sure honestly how much he doesn't like people talking about him in the media okay. he did, right. but but i'm pretty sure he's I, i'm trying to tell people he's the greatest most humblest most encouraging dude of all time mm-hmm. i don't think he's gonna have problems with that and he's really energy conscious he's believe you know he believes in the power of the word and you know He's a very magi- magician type, god like person. <laughs> All right, we're out of time, but we got to end. Five years ago was the Bonner Hip Hop Super Jam. Oh, sick! We were just talking about that last night. How much rehearsal went into that? Who chose the material? We uh, only got to rehearse for that couple hours right before it that day. 
because we all flew in town. But luckily, Redman came through the rehearsal and like just made. I mean, the rehearsal was going well, but we didn't have anybody in there yet. And Redman came through with the best energy ever. And like, I'll never forget Redman coming in, just making us all feel comfortable and killing his parts and just being a generally incredible energy to be around. Redman, um, great performer. Very impressed by his performance, as I said at the very beginning of this. But, uh, yeah, so that was wonderful. And then uh, Beyonce's sister, Solange, was there. She was really sweet and kind. So kind and nice, you know, and make you feel comfortable again. And so we did. Um, we all picked the repertoire together, you know, basically. Adam Deitch had a lot to do with that, speaking to RZA personally on the phone and figuring out what people wanted to do. I think we did Family Affair with RZA, you know. And, um, yeah, that was just a really, really surreal experience. And that night was my birthday, June 14th. Wow. So that was as surreal <laughs> as it gets for me. Like, I really loved that Bonnaroo set. That was so cool to me. And I remember standing backstage at, like, the whole the whole Wu-Tang and taking a picture and just, like, thinking, wow. You were just hanging out with the Wu-Tang. Yeah, just hanging out with Wu-Tang. Oh, my God. And now it's more normal than it. It's definitely more normal than it was then for me. I mean, I love Ghostface rocked with us at Red Rocks and... Dude, I'm telling you, the 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 night like the more famous, more successful person, the nicer they are. You go meet Ghost, he is going to out nice you. He will be nicer than you. I promise. Try to be nicer than Ghostface Killer. Well, where, go talk to Ghost and try to be nicer than him. Well, how he's about gonna, he's a nice dude? How about a Let Us Hip Hop album with each of these guys singing a different or hip rapping a song? What about it? That should be on the docket. I mean, you guys have such connections. These guys like what you do. Um, a lot of us who are. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be hardcore hip hop, but I love hearing these guys with live bands. That's yeah. where I think they're at their best and most compelling to me. Yeah. Let's have a lettuce hip hop. Words are fun, man. Words are powerful, and the power of the word is a motherfucker. So it's just like power of music is something beautiful about not having lyrics in a band is like I can go to any country. We lettuce can go to any country in the world and play our music in there. Everyone understands everything because we play music, man. And music is a deeper language than any language ever could be. Like language, mm-hmm. communication we do in so many ways, so many of which are nonverbal. And most of the time we're fucking bullshitting each other anyway. Excuse my language and my French. It's a podcast. Sorry. But, <laughs> well, anyway. What the fuck shit a lot of times, Don't you? A lot of times people are like kind of lying to themselves and each other a little bit anyway. <laughs> so... It's better to communicate in lots of ways. But sure, I, w- I really would love to have... You know, we made the new record. The new Lettuce record has 27 joints on it. And a lot of those sections sound like they could definitely have an MC over it. But as I listen to it, like late night jam crews or sometime like that, when it's just listening to it late night in my zone, I'm thinking... If we do that, I still want to have this version I'm listening to now. The instrumental is just so powerful. But I do want to... So I'm thinking... I don't know. I'm, I shouldn't be saying this on a podcast. But we should be talking about this with my boys in the back of the bus. But I think we should do some of them having vocals on it, but then release those same songs do instrumental. Both. Yeah. Why not? Do a instrumental. You have a follow-up EP and up for that, and then that also becomes the sessions, part of the sessions for the next, for the hip-hop do, one. Are you guys, that, that'd be cool, right? Like, we'll, we'll oh my God. I tell you, WTNS will put it out, right? And dude, you have but to remind... Should, I put, should we put out the album instrumentally and yes. then after that yes. put yeah. out the vocals after yeah. that put yeah. out the vocals and that, that makes so much that session nope. can also be the beginning for the next album which will be a full hip hop one and that not just to McFly. do it but also to remind people who are casual fans 
that this isn't like other funk bands. We are very hip-hop aware, and that is part of what makes Lettuce special and unique and worth seeing every time they come to your town. And there's so many things that make Lettuce special and unique and make worth, like, I know, but is it what is it but the hip-hop thing's a good the thing hip-hop to- thing is cool but it's something about interconnectedness and like that synchronicity thing like the the fact that we all met each other i mean i could just go on and on and on about oh. like why how did we meet like what how many years in the different lifetimes came together for us to <laughs> i don't know maybe i'm putting too much on it maybe really humans are supposed to like i feel like you know how some people say there's probably a lot of soulmates out there for you once you find yours you don't want to believe it you don't want to hear about that or but it's probably true there's probably a a plethora of different people that work really well together at at creation at art and it's hard to find it's a magnet though it's a magnet and you and 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 it brings you all together and i i mean speaking together i don't want to get in trouble because it's your your sound check is it sound check time it's sound check so we need to just do one more thing before you go so we're gonna go ahead and thank you so much for your time with us here thank you for all the music you guys so much obviously we could talk thank you for the approach the energy thank my friends dedication it's all of us together i couldn't have done anything at all by myself and i that's 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 Adam Smirnoff, Adam Deitch, Nigel Hall, Eric Krasno, Neil Evans, Adam Smirnoff, Eric Bloom, Ryan Zoidis, you know what I mean? And your dad and mom. We haven't mentioned your mom. Shout out to your mom. My mother, Shelly Coombs, incredible inspiration, and she taught many women how to have babies without drugs and of any kind, without any pharmaceuticals, and just uh, she was a natural childbirth teacher. She's uh, for years and years before... Um, taking on a full-time job of raising me and Ty and and keeping you away from make, deadheads. Yeah. Keeping I mean, you away from shakedown. No, dude, that was a good thing. I mean, she didn't keep me all the way down away from the shake. The shake, the sh- <coughs> hey, man. The shake you got. The shake is around, man. You got the shakedown, dude, watch out, man. Like Snoop said, <coughs> when the cops get behind you, park it like it's hot. That is a thing I learned, I learned from Snoop Dogg. If you need to park a car, go ahead and park that sucker and just get on out of it. Take a quick walk. God, I love Jesus. Jesus. I mean, I'm a Jew for Jesus, I guess. (laughs) Hey.
There's a lot to like about Jesus, whether or not you're religious. He is such a good dude. And, I, you know, I love the story that, that he gave us about his family. And, and then I was just thinking about, because I didn't realize all about his dad and stuff. And then and then we talked to Bobby, um, uh, Adam Deitch's father. Bobby Deitch. Man, we they really should do a project, the family, the Lettuce Family Band. And it's like all the parents. I love that idea. And I think they do, too. I uh, really enjoyed that. You know, some quick thank yous. Uh, you know, we didn't say it in the intro. Oh, let's do it real quick. Can I, a double uh, part. Like, Pole Clark, we love you. Thank Pole you for Clark, supporting us. Of course, so don't forget. Thank you for caring about your clients and doing so many wonderful things that, that uh, have a long-term view, whereas a lot of other musicians get stuck spending their money and blowing them blowing stuff blowing their lives up so that okay. they're in Antoine Walker land five years from now let's do it like you said which is quick google it I'm gonna teach you how to be quick ready Rob I'm sure. gonna say teach a name me. and you're gonna teach say it real quick teach ready? me journalism Harris Sullivan Sully Solano my buddy and Love of course you. Josh Thane Josh Thane Productions wonderful guitarist as well with and mig- of course Robert Kwan migrant worker kicked ass at Sweetwater um, before we move on Migrant worker kicked ass at Sweetwater. Great job, Josh. Way to go. Uh, yes, Robert Kwan has helped us out. He kicked ass, too, at Sweetwater. Robert Kwan was our engineer who went from everything to everything for us. And he, see, the thing is, he's such a genuine person that he doesn't just record. He does whatever's needed. He's such a helpful hand, and I really want to thank him if he's listening. Uh, and if he's not listening, tell him to fucking listen. He's also handsome, single, and a great lover, ladies. And now it's time to get into why Rob is banned from Twitter. It's not Twitter. banned. It's blocked. Whatever, dude. And by the way, and I'm told by people who are uh, that if this podcast explodes, that it'll change. But I've never blocked anyone. But people tell me that that's just because I'm still a, the, like, what are we, F level, F grade uh, celebrity? Uh, if you don't know Rob, let me explain something about Rob. Rob is the type of person that you, if you're like, if he's if he's like, hi, and then you or let's just. Whatever. If you say hi to him, he'll go ahead and be like, and I have a feeling, and I could be wrong about this, that maybe there's something there in this relationship that you find that you have a relationship because someone commented to you and then you commented to them and now you have the freedom just to comment and and expect to be communicated to. You know, it's a good habit to hear out what I say and then comment on the situation. You seem oh. to have that backwards. I just like to be a note. I was giving you a chance to pull up your freaking thing, No, I Rob. have it. I just can't find the original one. But here's the deal. Um, David Crosby <laughs> I is... I have is, it, but I can't find the original. He's okay. actually um, pretty cool about responding to people on Twitter and, and, and discussing. But a lot of times he's short. You know, a lot of, He doesn't have to respond at all. But a lot of times he, he can be blunt and short. And he can be really nasty about the doors in particular and some other things. And like one time I asked him about the song Page 43, a specific part of it, and his, his only answer was pretty self-evident, which, again, he doesn't have to answer, but that comes off a little snide, you know? It's, it's like it's not self-evident what I When asked. he said that, though, did you go back to him like three no. times? Okay, wow, good I, th- job. I, I think I just said something like, I, I don't even remember, but I it, it always seemed like an aim. I mean, we bust each other's balls, but not like I do with musicians that I know or other people I know. It's it's always seemed rather tame. So then, I rem- I uh, asked him about Joni Mitchell. Okay, there was a time. Well, it goes back to my video, the whole purges. I, I was watching one of my videotapes, and I came across some Isle of Wight footage, which is this concert in, in Timeless Music podcast. We talk about it with David Bromberg. It was this festival. Wasn't Jocko a part of that one or no? No. Oh. This was the festival in England around the time when, when there was this idea that music should be free and people didn't like having to pay for music, particularly in the hippie world. And they were being... Oh, yeah, go on. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that. and they were being really, really rude to the musicians. And it was particularly glaring to me when Joni Mitchell is on stage 
with a grand piano and nothing else, trying to sing songs that sound like they were written by an angel. I mean, these are some of the greatest songs. She is just an amazing, amazing songwriter and performer. And and to me, like, I would give my left nut to get to see her at that age play. And it's stunning to me that a crowd would be that rude to her. So I tweeted to Crosby, did Joni ever talk to you about her interactions with the crowd at the Isle of Wight Festival. To what extent do you think what she experienced there had an impact on any of her writing after that? And then he he basically said she didn't. And I thought, okay, let's let's leave it at that, right? So right. someone named Mr. Completely came back and asked what's the story on that. And I said it was in that dopey, quote, all music should be free, unquote, era. Fans were treating musicians with overt disrespect, although one exception was a young David Bromberg. Because, by the way, if you remember, if anybody listens to our Timeless Music podcast, that was part of David becoming a front man, was that somebody threw him out on stage there that night. And his his big presence won over the audience. And he was one of the few artists that got a resounding uh, reception. He ended up doing song after song after song. Anyway, back to the tweet. They shouted stupid crap, didn't pay attention, and one space shop even wandered on stage during Joni's set, prompting her to scold the audience. Someone asked for further elaboration, and I said, there seems to have been a certain wing of hippiedom infected by, quote, ignorance fueled by arrogance, end quote, for a time. They wanted everything for free. Complete disregard for the people working to provide them entertainment. This attitude is also seen in the Festival Express documentary movie. And then I said, nighttime for the selfish hippie generals, which is a reference to a David Crosby song. And then I put in quotes, to be clear, I am not calling all hippies selfish. This is specifically regarding those who demonstrated this sort of attitude. And then someone someone else, there, there were other things that went on, but you know, everything was tame after that, you know? And then how did you find out you were blocked? Uh, I think I went to respond to something else and it just came up on the screen david crosby has blocked you because i was critical of a wing of the hippie and the reason i think it's just that is because i really it had been a week or so since i had interacted with him at all i kind of came out of the blue because i had come across this in the video hmm. and you wonder why graham doesn't want to perform with him. <laughs> but maybe he will the, the csny should get together in advance of one of these elections and do a tour and get people out to vote and, and, and get people registered and all that sort of thing. I Is really there think. a way to go on Twitter to see how, and rather, who's blocked you? Because I would love to see how many other people have blocked you that you're unaware of. I know. It's usually political extremists, you know, especially the ones who, who go online and are constantly trying to prove the world how high-minded they are or the really selfish ones on the other side of the, of the whole spectrum. And, and when they get criticized and then they try to lump you in with the other extreme and then you point out that like no that's not where this is coming from and then they'll still just say oh no you're just you're just a liberal you're just a libtard or no you're just you're just you're you're okay with trump it's like no no i'm i'm someone who wants us to listen to each other and not just shout at each other so um uh oh jesus um what's the notion that everybody who voted for trump is racist is stupid okay Get over that. Stop talking down to people. If you want to take down Trump, win people over. Don't just flaunt your own self-perceived high-mindedness. It's self-defeating. It will help him get elected again. Talk to people, not at people. Come on. Wake the fuck up. Well, comedian HBO Friday night's uh, political... Bill Maher. So Bill Maher had a guest on the I other love, day. Love Bill Maher. And Bill was talking... Oh, so he, was, he was talking to Killer Mike. 
Oh, yeah? Yeah, and I thought it was interesting because I didn't realize Killer Mike's stance on gun control and whatnot, and he's actually on the side of guns, which was interesting. And his, I mean, his, I'm, I don't want to get too, too much into it, but what I want to get out of See, it. See, I'm behind. I'm going to Reed's next week, and that's yeah. when I get caught up on <laughs> so, John Oliver and uh, Bill Maher. Well, so Bill was like, look, you know what? I might, I might disagree with you, but we have, it's a conversation, and it's okay that we, you know, we live in a place where we can disagree but we can at least come to a place where we can discuss it and i found that to be fascinating because that that's the only way you you truly find what you believe in is by hearing and listening to what the other side has to say you know there's a lyric uh yeah sometimes you can get shown the light in the strangest of places if you look at it right this guy charlie sykes who's a conservative guy has some really good things to say about the problems with our discourse today is how people are more interested in just if someone disagrees saying what a hateful person or assuming where they're coming from. And this again comes from both sides. And this is the guy who wrote the book, how the right lost his mind. Okay. Mm. Talking about the people on the right side who are supporting Trump and continue to cling. Maybe they don't want to admit they're wrong, whatever the reason he's very critical of them. Bill crystal, the weekly standard are are one of our leading conservative papers in the country. Carl Denson, same thing. He is critical of, of, (laughs) um, That'd of Trump as well. What is Carl Denson? Have to no, do? being the political side, I was going to say. Uh, you remember, he wanted. We went to that interview, and he was ready to get all political, and we. Yeah. Um, we don't need political talk on this show. Oh, changing from political talk, though. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> register to vote if you haven't registered to vote. Uh, Headcount.org. Headcount.org. Thank you, Mark Brownstein and Andy Bernstein. I will, go to, I will go to my grave respecting those two for what they've done with Headcount. At Relic's uh, conference, they did a spelling bee where um, Andy Frasco and... Uh, anyway, anyway, there's a bunch of artists involved, but they raised over $95,000 doing a jam band spelling bee. Hey, also, Relic's, um, that conference... Then they put it on YouTube. The part one of it, about eight hours in, is Aunt, um, David Frick. Oh, from Rolling Stone? With Don Waz. That might be interesting. It is excellent. Although it is funny how just because someone is a good writer doesn't mean they're a good speaker. And Frick is like with the hand gestures are all over the place. He's a New Yorker. I know, but it's distracting. Just sit there. You don't need to, you need to do a ballet show. And but it's a great interview. I want to make one more mention. Um, Rob is a huge fan of Gary Shandling and when Gary passed, um, when Gary passed, what was that about a year ago? Uh, no, almost two years ago. It was the same time as Prince. Oh yeah. I think it was the same week. Any rate though, um, Larry Sanders show is like, hey, no, probably the greatest TV show. Like I told you in text the other day, it's probably the only show I can say that I've seen every episode at least twice. Well, Judd did a special on HBO. Judd Apatow? Yeah, he's he's cool. I like that guy. Um, so, yeah, so he did this special. It's a documentary. It's a two-part. It's long. It's four hours. I've yet to see it. I can't wait. I sat through and I watched both. I, I binged it. And it was so great. Just, just his story was so amazing. Uh, you know, you, you got to – he really shared the troubles that he had as a person, but also – the beauty he had as a person. And later in his life, he, he really turned to be a mentor to so many. And know, Gary was interesting. Gary also was way ahead of it. Some of this, I, I got to go back and watch the, uh, the um, Cars, Coffee, and, you know, where comedy is Cars, Coffee. Comedians and Cars having coffee. Jerry yeah. Seinfeld. I want to see that. And Jerry, I like Jerry and his old, getting the old, uh, I mean, I've always liked Jerry, but I, Jerry's I just a good I love the way dude. he dissects comedy. You know what I mean? You'll never hear stupid puns come out of him. He is well-crafted, very clever, brilliant approach to joke telling. And he always has. And as he gets older, he is even more wisdom behind what he does. And, and the what, seeing him 
talk to these comedians and other folks in the casual setting. The Barack Obama one is really good too. Yeah. The best one is Bill Burr. The Bill Burr one, they go have cigars. It's so funny. I love that Bill Burr. Love that guy. Well, anything else we want to talk about? Because we've kind of just we've gone too long. Yeah, Let's wrap it up. Uh, Thanks everyone for listening. Don't forget to check us out at insight.wtns.com. And please, I know we say this often and and not often enough, really. When you go, just do a review. If you like, if you're listening this far, then obviously you probably liked it. Yeah. So, so review us in iTunes. Yeah, it really helps. It helps all around. Sign we, up for our newsletter. Sign up for the Osiris newsletter. OsirisPod dot com. Uh, we have Michael League interviews in the can. What else? Carl Denson. What else do we have in the can? Um, Who did we just interview a couple days ago? Come on, Rob. Just say it, dude. I don't know. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> but we're hoping to others, but uh, these, we pod, these big something. I mean, big, these publicists are having a hard time confirming stuff with us, which is frustrating and and makes preparing properly difficult. So if you are a band and you are a publicist and you would like us to interview and we start talking about it, let's confirm that stuff as early as possible in the interest of the interview being as good as possible when it does happen. Well, I think we just lost five listeners, but nah, nah, hey. Here's some more lettuce. Togetherness. Togetherness. Togetherness.
Thank you so much. We love you. We're Lettuce. Jesus.